The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. It is Tuesday, May the 11th, and we are continuing on our off-season coverage today. We're going to look at some impact rookies with a little bit of a gambling spin with Chris Trapasso. Also in the feed, a 2022 early mock, a crossover podcast with the guys that cover three, Chip Patterson and Tom Finelli joined us, and we will have schedule reaction later in the week, plus some mailbags coming up as well. Before we get into the pod, I want to tell you all about the new Stitcher podcast app. It's been rebuilt from the ground up to make it easier to listen to podcasts on the go or on the revamped web player. Stitcher is home to all your favorite podcasts from classics like My Favorite Murder, This American Life, and How Did You Get This Made, plus all the CBS shows such as The Early Edge, Fantasy Baseball Today, and of course your favorite Pick 6. In Stitcher, you have more control like setting your download preferences per show and the ability to listen at virtually any speed. With Stitcher, you can listen to your podcast anytime, anywhere. So go give the all-new Stitcher a try. Download it in the App Store at stitcherapp.com slash download. Joining me now to talk about impact rookies out of the 2021 class. But worth noting, Chris Chapasso, no quarterbacks on this list because quarterbacks, obviously the most impactful players in football. Yeah, when I got this um, assignment last week, I first was like going to list all five quarterbacks and went in the first round. And I was like, that's not why anyone is going to click on this article to see like, hey, like who are impact rookies? Oh, the first round quarterback. So I did not include that. Uh, a few people on Twitter uh, didn't read the intro and were wondering where all the quarterbacks were, but I just completely ignored them. So all ah. skill position players and a few offensive and defensive linemen as well. I'm shocked to find out that nobody read the intro. What a surprise. Just kidding. Nobody yeah. ever reads the intro. That's sort of how it works. So, yeah, if you know, well, let's talk. I mean, let's talk really quickly about the quarterbacks. Um, yep. and we'll kind of create them as their own separate group. What, you know, when you look at these guys, who's and we should point out that uh, Tim Tebow signed with the Jacksonville Jaguars on a one-year deal as a tight end. Is that enough to push it over the top? Where you think Trevor Lawrence would be the most successful quarterback <laughs> in year one? No, definitely not. Uh, I think if he plays. Trey Lance is in the best uh, scenario with Kyle Shanahan, George Kittle, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel. And I, I don't think I, I've started to warm to the idea of Trey Lance getting some playing time as a rookie. I, I think before the draft with the Kyle Shanahan quote, like we won't know if anyone is alive by Sunday when the, when he was asked about Jimmy Garoppolo's future, kind of indicated that he might not be uh, very fond of Jimmy Garoppolo being his starter for all 16 games. And we know that system is so quarterback friendly. You don't necessarily have to be uh, this well-versed in Kyle Shanahan's offense to operate a bunch of bootlegs and get it in space to George Kittle and Debo Samuel and Brandon Ayuk. So I think of all the situations, Trey Lance landed in the best spot. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. I would have said the same for Mac Jones, too, if he'd gotten drafted mm -hmm. 49ers at three. It's just the nature of how Kyle Shanahan operates that, you know, and, and how that offense works, that you expect success, even from a rookie quarterback. And 
you know, for all the concerns that maybe people have about Trey Lance's accuracy, we'll find out if it's unfounded or not. Uh, you know, you do have to consider the fact that he can use his legs. And I, I would, I would mm-hmm. anticipate that Kyle Shanahan incorporates that. And from a fantasy perspective and a gambling perspective, you know, I look at, I look at Trey Lance as an interesting option for offensive rookie of the year, but I would not bet it right now because it's six and a half to one dynasty. Obviously you're interested in him, but then for redraft leagues, he's probably going to be dirt cheap at the back end of the draft, unless he's taking the job from Jimmy Garoppolo, at which point you can stash him or grab him in the season. And I think if you have the opportunity to wait to bet on him, do that because if he, if he wins the job, he's not going to get cheaper than like four to one. You know, like, I mean, he's still he's still going to have to leapfrog Trevor Lawrence, and, and people know Justin Fields is going to play at some point. That's just how the Bears are going to work. So, to me, Lance makes a lot of sense as a rookie of the year bet, but I think you have to wait until it gets closer to the season and it becomes obvious that he's not going to start week one. I, I really don't think he'll start week one. If I'm wrong, then make it a four to one, I guess. Uh, and I don't, think, I don't think the 49ers will come out and say before the season, hey, Trey Lance is our week one starter. Like I, I could see him ultimately playing as a rookie, but they're going to roll out Jimmy Garoppolo for week one. Maybe he has a one-month leash, and if the 49ers don't start off like three and one, or maybe a little longer than that, then I think they could go to them. But you're right. I, I think you have to wait. And- three, and, and Jimmy G's playing like crap, Trey Lance is probably coming in for week five. Yep. If they're three and one or four and zero, I don't think they're going to pull Jimmy Garoppolo. I think they'll want to win games with Jimmy G as long as they can to give Trey Lance time to get ready, so they don't mm-hmm. have to throw him out there and, and run the risk of it. But it's certainly possible he starts uh, week one. What about Justin Fields? Does that, his landing spot concern you at all? I think that is actually one of the better uh, landing spots. I mean, with, with Allen Robinson there before the draft and this whole offseason, he, he seemed pretty disgruntled. But now when you have Justin Fields, I think you're a lot more excited if you're Anthony Miller, if you're Allen Robinson. Uh, the offensive line with Tevin Jenkins, one of my favorite picks in round two, um, an offensive lineman that I mocked to the Chicago Bears often in round one uh, during my 9,000 mock drafts that I did before the draft. Uh, so I, I actually think the situation there is pretty good because, two, he's – following Mitchell Trubisky and Nick Foles and is part of an organization that has not really had a steady high level quarterback in like ever, like since Jim McMahon. So I think Justin Fields actually is in a pretty good situation with for the franchise, low expectations and enough weapons and a pretty decent offensive line to actually turn in a pretty good rookie season. Okay. And look, all these guys, you know, it's hard to find a bad landing spot for any of those quarterbacks. You would be hard-pressed to get convince me. Actually, I take that back. I think there's an opportunity with Najee Harris at 14-1 to 1 and Javante Williams would be down that list, Michael Carter, you know, Jamar Chase at 14. I mean, golly. I mean, these guys can – Travis Etienne at 22-1, to 1, Trey Sermon at 40-1. to 1, I'm, I'm clicking that button because those guys can put up massive numbers in if they get the opportunity – and you could see a running back leapfrog a quarterback. Now, if one of these quarterbacks wins, you know, throws for 4,000 yards or wins 10 games, it's it's off the table. But I think because of the how top, like you've got to leap four quarterbacks who all have, or five quarterbacks, I guess, who have good landing spots. I mean, that's. Yeah, that's- I think 
Yeah, I think Kyle Pitts is actually good value at 12 to 1 because I think a lot of the offensive and defensive rookie of the year awards, they're kind of lean in the direction of the prospects that had like a ton of hype during the pre-draft process. And if the Falcons are all of a sudden relevant again, and even if yes, there's Julio that's taking away a lot of the targets and the receiving yards, Calvin Ridley, but if like they look competent on offense and Kyle Pitts scores six to ten touchdowns and has six hundred to eight hundred yards receiving, I think. Unless they're like you're saying, unless there is a uh, rookie quarterback that throws for 4,000 yards and has like 25 touchdowns, I think Kyle Pitts, if you want to go like a little bit more value, but not a way out like Trey Sermon at 40 to 1, I think Kyle Pitts is uh, someone that voters will kind of lean toward if he has a good rookie season. All right. Let's move along to the guys on your list. Assuming we don't want. Yeah. Trey Sermon to me, 40 to 1 is good. Najee Harris, 22 to 1, not bad. I mean, he could have a big year. But you can look again, you got to leapfrog all of these quarterbacks. You actually have a, a smaller number of offensive guys on the list, just four of them on the top 10, so 40%. And we talked about the, the rookie of the year odds, but the number one impact guy on your list, uh, Traps, of course, as you mentioned, Kyle Pitts. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I think uh, we know that with Matt Ryan, uh, he's going to put up big numbers. And what I like about Kyle Pitts in terms of if you're betting the offensive rookie of the year, if you're just looking for your number one fantasy tight end, Matt Ryan in 2019 had the most completions in the NFL and last year, the most completions and attempts. Now, part of that was due to the fact that the Falcons weren't very good. They were two and eight in one score games. Uh, The defense was not terrible, but not great. But I think, The fact that not only they have Matt Ryan at the end of his career, he's going to throw a lot of passes, high volume of late. They completely ignored running back in the draft. And it was pretty trendy, like second and third round to mock a running back, maybe a Javante Williams um, to the Falcons. And they are going into the season, at least right now, with Mike Davis and Quadri Olison as their top two running back. So I think for anyone that's a little skeptical, like, hey, like Kyle Pitts is good, but there's Julio coming back. Kelvin Ridley's off a, a breakout season in year three. I don't know if there'll be enough footballs to go around. I think they want to throw 40 to 45 times per game. That's like the recipe, I think, to get the most, not only out of Kyle Pitts being the number four overall pick at tight end, but just the end of Matt Ryan's career. How about with Jamar Chase in Cincinnati? You know, People are all, you know, hot and bothered that they didn't take a, uh, a an offensive lineman or didn't take Panay Sewell there. But I mean, look, Jamar Chase is a stud. You need you get an alpha receiver who's going to make life easier for T. Higgins and for Tyler Boyd, who sort of slip, you know, slot into more natural roles. I think, and this guy should be an immediate. All right, I'm in trouble. Let's heave it up to my dude down the field and let him win one on one option for Joe Burrow, right? Yeah, to your last point, I mean, that connection, that's why I leaned that the Bengals should have picked Jamar Chase before the draft when you're right. A lot of people were saying, like, go Penny Sewell, protect your franchise quarterback. Uh, But that connection, I, I don't think we can undersell how important that is. And what I like about Jamar Chase, we saw it a little bit last year, the opposite of this. These separators like Henry Ruggs and and uh, Jerry Judy took some time to really acclimate themselves. And while I think Henry Ruggs and Jerry Judy can still be good wide receivers in the NFL, we've seen the receivers that have hit the ground running in their first seasons, the A.J. Brown and the Debo Samuel types that can be thrown a pass that's a, a three-yard drag route, a screen, a slant, 
high percentage throws that they don't need to do a lot to get open. And then they're tremendous after the catch because they're like running backs in the open field. That's Jamar chase. I I thought he was like a faster version of AJ Brown on film. Like that's the kind of vibe that I got with him. That, that Florida game was unbelievable. Like he was impossible to be tackled. So I think the connection with Joe Burrow and the fact that they don't need to use him on these intricate routes, 15, 20, 30 yards downfield for him to be good. They can get him, on those easy passes from Joe Burrow, where even if he isn't well protected, now he can still get it out in under two seconds. And then Jamar Chase's specialty, which to me is after the catch can really be accentuated. I dig it. The other two guys on your list from the offensive side of the ball, uh, a lineman at number six overall, Brady Christensen, the elderly <laughs> he's 24 i think right i mean I, I yeah yep. elderly, but 20, 24 years old he could step in as a potential veteran guy right yeah for your panthers i think uh everyone in discluding me in the media is like waiting for sam darnold to be the sam darnold that a lot of people thought he was going to be when he came oh, I forgot you hate sam darnold i do I, I i never i i don't hate sam darnold but i was never on the Sam Darnold train like everyone else was pre-draft and since he's been in the NFL, but it's, Hey, there's still a lot of potential with him. But anyway, the media, I think, and yes, I'm included in the media. So are you wants to see Sam Darnold uh, play well. And I think Brady Christensen, only three quarterback pressures he allowed last year of Zach Wilson uh, tested very well. I don't think he is as athletic as his pro day workout uh, indicates, I mean, he had like a Tristan Wirfs esque pro day, and I don't think he's that athletic, but the pass protection is pretty good. He has good grip strength. Like he's one of those blockers. Once he latches on, you're not going to be able to use a bunch of counter moves to get past him. And I think if Sam Darnold takes off, it will be partially because Brady Christensen is giving him a lot better protection than he ever got in New York. I mean, maybe outside of a little bit with Mackay Becton last season, but really, Beckton was better in the run game than he was as a pass protector. So I thought the Panthers did a good job being patient in the draft and then still getting like an NFL-ready pass protection specialist after trading for Sam Darnold. The last guy on here, Elijah Moore, checking it at number nine, the Jets wide receiver. We had Josh Norris on, and he talked about him and how he loves Moore's fit, particularly if uh, Jamison Crowder were to be released, which is not really possible. They could save 10 million bucks. They don't need to do it, but maybe they want to give more some playing time. Um, you know, do you, is this more about, you know, from a fantasy perspective, do you think that more, you wouldn't draft more this high. There'd be other guys you'd probably take ahead of him. Right. But you think he'll have the most impact on this particular Jets team. Yeah, I think so. Of all the rookies, I mean, uh, Michael Carter, their fourth round running back. I included him in an article that I did last week. That was day three instant impact guys. Uh, but it, I think Josh is right that it's completely contingent upon Jamison Crowder because the player, Elijah Moore, I had a first round grade on and he ran in the four threes at the Ole Miss pro day, three cone drill, well under seven seconds. So, you know, he's really quick and it, and all of that shows on film. I think he plays like he's a four, three guy and his quickness looks like he's a sub seven second guy on film, but they brought in Corey Davis. They signed my guy, Keelan Cole. I, I think he's going to have quietly a good season with the jets. Um, and then there's still Jamison Crowder there. They drafted Denzel Mims in the second round last year. Uh, didn't play until late October, but still turned in 44 catches, almost averaged 16 yards per catch. So I think, and he was drafted by Joe Douglas. So I, I think if this was a situation where, Elijah Moore could be slotted in as like the number two or the clear cut number three on his 
NFL team, you would say, oh, this is like someone that's going to have one of the biggest instant impacts of any offensive rookie. He's just a little bit lower on my list um, just because of all the targets that need to go around. And I like Zach Wilson, but he still is a rookie quarterback. And and I don't know if he's going to have a Justin Herbert type season. So you have to kind of temper the expectations for an offense when a rookie quarterback is under center. All right. So no running backs on this list. I'm kind of surprised. Travis Etienne. I mean, I understand ETN because you, you sort of have to take Urban Meyer at his word, I guess. I'm not sure why anybody would do that. But he said he was <laughs> third down back. If, if he's third down back, then that's a problem. He's not going to be a massive impact guy. I would expect him to get far more uh, high leverage carries than the way that Urban Meyer described it. I just think he – I think he's like trying to be sneaky or something, and you don't need to be sneaky. You took a guy in the first round. You know, talk him up. Hype him up. Say what he's going to do. Najee Harris, too. Is it is that just a byproduct of the, the the Pittsburgh offensive line? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head with both of those. Uh, I think in Jacksonville too, it's all going to be about Trevor Lawrence and uh, maximizing his skill set with DJ Chark, with Lavisca Chenault. Uh, I I think Travis Etienne will make an impact because again, he's a really good player like Elijah Moore is. I just don't know if if you're ranking like the biggest instant impact players uh, that that he would be near the top. And Najee Harris is just because I like what the Steelers did later in the draft after they picked him and drafting Kendrick Green, the offensive uh, center from Illinois, and Dan Moore, the kind of tackle guard from Texas A&M later in the draft. But I still think there will be some uh, kinks to work out with that offensive line as it's being rebuilt. And for as much as I love Najee Harris, he was my number one running back in this class. I do think... He projects very similarly to Le'Veon Bell, like similar size, athleticism, receiving skill. I think if the offensive line isn't good, we know that it's very difficult for running backs to be efficient. So you kind of already said it, that, that that's why I didn't have either of those premier running backs on this list. Yeah, Javante Carter, I mean, Michael Carter and Javante Williams too are the one hang up about instant impact. And that's what we're talking about, right, is playing time. Mm-hmm. If you have a concern yep. about the offensive line and the same thing with ETN, you know, with Carter, we think that he'll get plenty of carries because that backfield's not that great. LaMichael P. Ryan and Tevin Coleman, but you know, maybe he's just not prepared to step in and take 15 carries per game in, in a Shanahan style offense. And then Williams, Melvin Gordon's there. You could just see them using these veteran backs early and then Williams and Carter coming on maybe later in the later in the year. Yeah, I think so. That's actually the perfect prediction for those two. I I could see them not really until October or November, like late October, being like the clear-cut feature back, obviously injuries um, to those veterans in front of them that have a lot more mileage on their legs wouldn't be shocking at this point. And to your point about Michael Carter, I, I like him. I think he's very explosive and he's a good receiver. So I think Zach Wilson, when he is on the field, will target him a lot, just even in the check down game and the screen game. But I don't know if he's ever going to be like a 15 to 20 carry per game back because he's a little bit smaller. And I, I don't think he's great between the tackles and factor in the Jets offensive line. Makai Becton, Elijah Vera Tucker, two really good blockers on the left side. I think the rest of the unit is still very much a work in progress. All right. Fair enough. Uh, anybody honorable mention for the wide receiver position on this list? Almost. It would be Jalen Waddle. Jalen Waddle. For me, yeah. I I, it, I could have included him. Is it a Tua thing? It's a Tua thing. It's a Tua thing and the weapons. I think Mike Kosicki, uh proved himself as one of the, the upstart 
receiving tight ends in the NFL. I think Devontae Parker is still very good. They love they love Jakeem Grant. They brought in Will Fuller to a one-year deal, and I think they want to maximize uh, what they get from him down the field. So I could see Jalen Waddell, and this was my comparison for Jalen Waddell, having a, a similar career arc to Tyree Kill. And Tyree Kill like, looked like he was going to be a superstar as a rookie, but he wasn't a, a like number one option in that offense right away when it was run by Alex Smith. I love Jalen Waddle. He's my number one wide receiver. I just think the Tua, I'm not really high on him uh, as projecting forward, taking a big leap in year two. And there's just a lot of uh, targets to go around with Fuller, Parker, Grant, and Mike Isicki. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, I, look, there's no guarantee that any of, you know, it's it's hard. It's a hard transition. Even Jalen mm-hmm. Waddle, the way he is, I mean, you, know, you can get the ball in space, but will they do a good enough job scheming it up? Do we trust the Dolphins to do that? Will Tua deliver the ball on the field accurately? There are definitely questions. And mm-hmm. interesting because this class is it, it shapes up in the same way that it did, you know, coming really into the draft, and in, in that it's very top heavy. But we shall see. I, I agree. With, I agree with a lot of this list. I think it's a good list. Probably have more wide receivers on there, but you had to do ten, and you had to include defense. Who are the defensive players? The traps thinks will be impact guys. We'll tell you after the break. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads ensure you can take on any adventure. Available H-Track all-wheel drives you can take on the dirt trails and kick up some mud. Standard third-row seating so your whole family can experience the thrill together. Available dual wireless charging pads so no one gets stuck in the great outdoors with a dead phone. Whether you're tailgating out in the dirt lot, Carter Finley, shout out Carter Finley, or whether you're whitewater rafting, taking the entire family on an adventurous trip, maybe you're out camping at Mount Rogers. I used to go as a kid, wish my parents had a Hyundai Santa Fe. The Hyundai Santa Fe is perfect for your family outing. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, so six defensive guys on your list, as we mentioned. The number one, the guy who nearly got landed me another seven, another 70 units, I guess. Jamin Davis out of Washington, the linebacker they took at 19 overall. Wasn't the first linebacker taken, but a very, uh, should be a very popular pick for defensive Rookie of the year, although his odds are 16 to one. I love that. I mean, this is a guy who's going to pile up stats out of the gate in this offense, right? I mean, yeah, that is that is fantastic value if you're just looking at defensive rookie of the year odds. Uh, and it, it's just obvious, like he lands in such a good uh scenario with the Washington football team for first round defensive linemen who have all played pretty well. Uh, they've kind of come into their own, especially those Alabama defensive linemen on the inside. Uh, and even Montez Swat had a good season last year. Um, we know obviously Chase Young is there as well. 
So he is going to be kept clean. And I think for any linebacker, that's what you want. You don't want a lot of blockers climbing to the second level. And I didn't know this. I want to put you on the spot, Will, for a second. Do you know who led the Washington football team in tackles last year behind that defensive line? Landon Collins? Nope. I had no clue, and I looked it up. 29-year-old Jonathan Bostic on his fifth team, 118 tackles last season. So to your point, Jamin Davis is going to be well, well above probably even 125 tackles. And if the Washington football team, we know the defense played well, they made the playoffs. If they take a step on offense with Ryan Fitzpatrick or even Taylor Heineke, they added some pieces on that side. And they're another fun team again, and they either win the uh, NFC East or make the playoffs. Jamin Davis, I think, will be in the spotlight a lot because he's got good coverage ability, the range is there, and again, there's not going to be too many guards and centers getting to the second level. They need to really try to erase those four defensive linemen up front. So I think Jamin Davis for 16-1 to defensive rookie of the year odds and just generally looking at greatest impact on the defensive side for a rookie, he was an easy pick for me. Well, I just put that bet in myself because I have it up on my site. <laughs> Not the same price as is William Hill. I look if I mean I'm trying to I'm just trying to look at this list. I mean obviously anybody who you know if Michael Parsons is awesome, you know, he can he, he can walk away with it. You know, any mm-hmm. but these guys who are listed on here have to have big time sack seasons or big time interception seasons. You know, Sertan and and Farley uh, need to have tons of picks or tons of explosive plays, fumble, you know, whatever it is, you're, you're not going to win it just by having a great PFF rating. It's just going to take. No, definitely. Yeah. You win these by having big time stats. And if you're piling up stats as a tackler, that gives you a, a real leg up. Jalen Phillips, there's certainly a guy who could come in from day one, you know, very productive, very explosive edge rusher. Uh, he is your number four guy. And you could see him potentially putting up big numbers for the Dolphins. Yeah, I mean, I think the fact that with any rookie that's not one of the guys from Ohio State, like Chase Young, Nick Bosa, or Joey Bosa, even if you draft an edge rusher in the first round, it's probably the best idea if he's not like your number one, quote-unquote, rusher in year one. And Emmanuel Agba almost had 10 sacks last season. He's been on three different teams now, but I think he's found a home with Brian Flores. And so Jalen Phillips will not necessarily get all the offensive, uh, like, attention as a rookie and I think that's really important uh, because we only did see one elite level production season from him at college obviously with the concussions but you're right I mean he's long the explosion is there pass rushing moves so again on a good defense if they take another step forward they are uh, a team that's winning double digit games and Jalen Phillips is six to ten sacks somewhere in that range and he's a three down player so he's not just going to be a pass rushing specialist I could see him uh having a big impact just situationally and because I really liked him talent wise okay I I don't I don't see why he couldn't be an impact guy but again he's got to have a ton of sacks to win the to win the defensive yeah. uh, rookie of the year award at 10 to 1 I don't think that's a particularly good price mm-hmm. for him one guy I'm definitely interested in though Asante Samuel Jr who checks in, oh, my goodness. Oh, keep going. 35 to 1 for, as we're looking on uh, William Hill here. on where you can, By the way, you can watch us on YouTube at youtube.com slash pick six. Uh, Debo's got the odds up on the screen. We're going through them. That's too short a price for a guy who just makes plays. And, again, this, this award comes down to guys who make splash plays. 
I thought Antoine Winfield Jr. could have easily won in any other year were it not for Chase Young last season. He had the stats. He had the production. He had the the play, in, in, in this is a similar setup. Now, I know they don't play the same position per se, but, um, you know, Samuel is a guy that is just a ball hawk. He's got the pedigree, and he's going to a defense where he's not going to be asked to be the guy. He's going to be a, a, a complimentary piece there for the Chargers, and I could easily see him you know, having a, like two pick sixes, you know, big splash play. The Chargers go to the playoffs, and nobody else distinguishes themselves on this list, and the Cowboys' defense is trash, and they're not going to give it to Parsons, and, and Samuel at 35-1 to 1 is a great value for me. That's probably the best value on this list. Uh, he was my number two cornerback in this draft class for a lot of the reasons that you just pointed out. Ooh, He's I a playmaker. Six to and, one. Let's go. Yeah, that's uh, yeah. I think with Samuel, uh, he will transition quicker to the NFL than Patrick Sertan and J.C. Horn, and even maybe Caleb Farley, because I think Asante Samuel has the suddenness and the twitchiness to stay with separators at the NFL level. And from his freshman season at Florida State on, he was always around the football, a lot of ball production. He reminds me a lot of Tredavious White. And Tredavious White had a really, really good rookie season in 2017 in Buffalo. So also, too, like Samuel's not going to be, like you said, the like the number one guy per se, but he's not – uh, fighting for his job. Like they're going to probably use him as their number two cornerback and he's going to play inside and outside. Uh, so he'll have a lot of opportunities. He's going to play six, seven, 800 snaps probably in the regular season as a rookie. So the situation, we talked about other players on offense, that there's too many other veterans in front of him. There's not that many at this point because the Chargers have kind of let some of their veteran defensive backs go over the past couple of years. So, yeah, I think Samuel is tremendous value. And just, again, generally speaking, he's in for a very impactful rookie season. All right, so that gets us through the top five there. Uh, the other three guys on your list, seven, eight, and ten. Aziz Ojolari for the Giants as an edge rusher. Andre, or let's talk about Ojolari. And with the Giants' lack of edge help, sure, it makes total sense. He's an impact guy. Yeah, Kyler Fackrell led the Giants last year in terms of edge rushers with four sacks. I mean, Leonard Williams had 11 uh, at the defensive end spot, but they're playing like 3-4, so it's mostly inside. So they desperately need someone to be a pass rushing specialist around the corner. Now, what I just said about Jalen Phillips, I, I think also um, applies here to Aziz Ojulari that if you're asking him, hey, like you need to go up against veteran left tackles and we're hoping to get 10 sacks out of you as a rookie, I don't know if I see that. That's why I have him a little bit lower on my list, but he was my number one edge rusher. I think in terms of explosion and bend to the quarterback, the ability to finish, not just win against an offensive tackle, but then flatten to the quarterback and take him to the turf. I thought Ojulari was the best of any edge rusher in this class at doing that. And he's a good run defender. So I don't think he's necessarily going to be only pigeonholed into this, you know, 20 snaps per game type of pass rushing specialist role with the Giants. And th yeah, they just need the help. I think they're going to say, hey, we picked you in the second round. We stopped your fall like and we're going to send you out there and let you get after the quarterback. So I think the talent is there and the opportunity for Ojulari to have a pretty good season as a rookie. OK, uh, also, we mentioned number eight, Andre Cisco, Jaguars safety. Jaguars added a ton of a uh, ton of secondary players in the offseason, but you still think a rookie can come in and be an impact guy? 
Yeah, because Andre Cisco is, to me, the best pure ball hawk in this draft class. He had an interception almost every other game in his Syracuse career. 13 interceptions in 25 career games, including seven as a freshman. Like He stepped on campus in Syracuse near where uh, Ryan Wilson lives and had seven picks. And that's not easy to do. We don't see that very frequently. Plus, he's 6'1". 215 pounds, so you're not concerned about, hey, we need to bulk him up. He's not that good against the run. He's too little. He's like, looks like an NFL safety at this point. I think had he not torn his ACL in warmups in September, he would have obviously had more than one interception. He picked off Sam Howell in that North Carolina game. But we would have been talking about him not as someone that had a lot of production, but he would have ran really well at that size. He would not have lasted to the third round. And the Jaguars, they're kind of a mess on defense. You're right that they've added pieces, but I think it's a situation that's ripe for a true playmaker to stand out in that secondary with C.J. Henderson. And I think if they are just letting Andre Sisco play free safety, occasionally strike downhill, but just his biggest priority will be to stop those passes deep down the field, which I think he can do. It would be what you were talking about earlier, the ingredients, a lot of splash plays, five, six interceptions to get himself in the rookie of the year hunt. All right. I dig it. And finally, Richie Grant for the Atlanta Falcons. Again, sort of like the Jaguars, a situation where you like the player, but maybe more than anything, it's the case of, you know, they just have of opportunity, like with like with the, like with running backs, the opposite of the running backs. You know, they don't have opportunities out there based on the depth charts we see. Of course, it can change as we get closer to the season. But for these guys, some of these guys, it's all about: Are you going to be asked to step in and do tons of reps, and can you do it right away? Yeah, I think when I was on this podcast after one of the rounds of the draft, I don't remember everything during draft freaking was kind of a blur for me. Yeah, that I I said to you that I I felt like recently, besides Grady Jarrett the Falcons have had like no stars on defense. And last year they were 19th against the pass uh, in football outsiders DVOA. We know what's going to happen on offense, or we think we know that they're going to be better with Kyle Pitts with Julio back. So if the Falcons are playing better football uh, and their defense takes even one step forward, whatever that may be, it probably will be due to better play in the secondary. And I really liked Richie Grant. He's another one. I had a first round grade on, He's kind of a little different from Andre Cisco in that he can cover the slot. He can be a box defender. He can be uh, one half of the field free safety. He's really like Mr. Do everything for that defense. And I think that since that Super Bowl team of, you know, uh, four or five years ago, they've really needed a versatile playmaker at the defensive back spot. And I think that's what Richie Grant is. He's number 10 because it, it would be pretty far fetched for him to go from second round pick. Uh, on a Falcons team that I still think won't be that great defensively to have a gigantic impact and to win defensive rookie of the year. But I, I do believe that uh, there'll be more eyes on the Falcons this season with Kyle Pitts and Julio back. And I think Richie Grant has a skill set to turn in another really impactful rookie season. Anyone make the honorable mention list there for the defensive side of the ball? Probably Jeremiah Owusu Kormoa uh, with. He's the Browns. Your favorite at, uh, at 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 William Hill. <laughs> yeah, I I could have included him. Yeah, similar to me, uh, like the fact that I could have included Jalen Waddle. Uh, they do have some veterans in their linebacker group, and 
I'm a little leery. I know completely different team, different coaching staff. Last year with Isaiah Simmons, everyone was so excited about him. And if you look probably back at defensive rookie of the year odds, like at this time last year, it was Isaiah Simmons was near the top, maybe right behind Chase Young. But there was a little bit of a concern about where Isaiah, like where Isaiah Simmons was going to play as a linebacker or he's going to play linebacker or safety. And like, how do you use him? And he was used so uniquely in that Clemson defense, kind of the same with Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa. So I could see him certainly turning in some splash plays, but it wouldn't shock me if like a month into the season, the Browns defensive coaching staff's like, Oh, well, where do we play him? Is he a slot defender? Uh, Maybe he's not as good down the field covering tight ends and safety. So let's keep him in the box and taking a month or two, to really feel out where it is best for him to play. So I could have included him, but he would be the honorable mention on the defensive side. Well, and Simmons flashed in the second half of the season too. He so did. It's a little bit about, you know, you're adjusting to a new scheme and a new mm-hmm. staff and a new level of football, and they're trying to move you around and put you in the best spot. And people were flipping out about Simmons' snap count early on in the year. It's like, oh, what a bust, what a bust. It's like everybody take a breath. And let's let this guy acclimate and let the coaching staff acclimate to using him. And they started to figure it out near the end. And if that's the case with uh, you know, Owusu Koromoa, that's fine. That's okay for a rookie to take time to adjust, especially a guy who wasn't drafted in the first round. But you don't want to bet him at 8-1 to one to win defensive no. rookie of the year if, if that's the case. Quiddy pays there at 8.5-1. to one. He could see plenty of snaps early on for the Colts. Uh, but, you know, again, it's... You know, he's probably not going to be their primary edge rusher uh, there. And then Caleb Farley, 12 to 1. The, the odds are just too short, I guess, is what I'm saying. Patrick Sertan, 10 to 1. I mean, no thanks. You're not you're the fifth best defensive player at, at absolute best on your defense, if if not much lower. Actually, yeah, definitely much lower than that Broncos team. Zayvon Collins is kind of interesting. Um, but by and large, you know, if I'm taking a stab at something, it's either going to be J- J- uh, Jamin Davis at 16 to 1. In fact, I've, I've bet these two. So people who are listening, if they want to follow along, <laughs> I, during the pot, I bet Jamie Davis at 16 to 1. I just think the tackles are going to be there, and numbers matter when you're calculating these awards if there's not some superstar standout like a Chase Young or a, a Nick Bosa, et cetera. And then Asante Samuel, who I got at 46 to 1, I would bet down to 35 to 1 for sure because of the play, the impact plays that he can make. Um, yeah. And we always have to remember, too, like, you're it's pretty rare to win the offensive or defensive rookie of the years if your team isn't very good. And I think the Washington football team looks pretty good. And the Chargers have Justin Herbert had a great draft. Uh, and, you know, Asante Samuel is going to be like the new uh, wave of this uh, secondary in Los Angeles. So it's hard to like put in someone that I think is going to be really, really good. But his team isn't going to be very good. You need to be in the spotlight and probably be close to the playoffs unless you're like, Saquon Barkley or something like that, like a complete outlier, like a freak of nature. But you're right that Jamin Davis, Asante Samuel, talent, opportunity, and the team should be both pretty good. All right. Love it, Traps. Good stuff as always, buddy. Uh, Thanks for taking the time. We will, I'm sure, talk to you very soon again. Appreciate it, dude. Thanks, Will. Every sport has their big, juicy controversy. Boxing has the Mike Tyson ear bite. Cycling has Lance Armstrong. Baseball has its steroid era. Curling has Broomgate. It's a story of broken relationships, houses divided, corporate rivalry, and a performance-enhancing broom. It was a year I'd like to forget. Broomgate. Available now.